Welcome to the Ecom Breakthrough Podcast. Are you ready to unlock the full potential and growth in your business? You've already crossed seven figures in sales, but the challenge is knowing how to take your business to the next level. Join Josh Hadley, an eight-figure e-com business owner and investor, as he interviews highly successful business owners. Get ready, because you're going to learn specific actions you can take today to help your business reach its full potential and leave a lasting impact on the world. Welcome to the Ecom Breakthrough Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Hadley, where I interview the top business leaders in e-commerce. Past guests include Steve Simonson, Kevin King, and Stephen Pope. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Travis Ziegler of Profitable Pineapple Ads, and we will be talking a lot about how he exited his brand, how he created his new Amazon PPC agency, and the latest tactics and tricks that he has been implementing to increase organic sales on Amazon with his clients. This episode is brought to you by Ecom Breakthrough Consulting, where I help seven-figure companies grow to eight figures and beyond. Listen, Travis, I started Hadley Designs back in 2015 and I grew it to an eight-figure brand in seven years. However, I made a lot of mistakes along the way that made getting to that eight-figure mark take a little bit longer than it could have been. There were times where I doubted whether our business could even survive or if I could become a real brand owner and a leader, a CEO of a business. I wish I would have had a guide to help me grow faster and avoid a lot of those stumbling blocks. If you've hit a similar plateau in your business, and you want to know the next steps to take your business to the next level, then go to ecombreakthrough.com. That's ecom with two M's to learn more. And as a special bonus to my podcast listeners, this month I'm giving away one $10,000 comprehensive business strategy audit at no cost. All you need to do is email me at josh at ecombreakthrough.com with the subject line strategy audit and tell me why your brand should be the one that should win this free strategy audit. And don't worry if you don't win this month's entry, you'll be entered for future months to come. But today I'm excited to introduce you to Dr. Travis Ziegler. He is a recovering optometrist turned e-commerce entrepreneur. He is the founder of iLove, whose mission is to heal 1 million dry eye sufferers naturally. Dr. Travis and his wife, Dr. Jenna Ziegler, use the profits from iLove to fund free clinics in Jamaica and the U.S. through their charity, the I Love Cares Foundation. And due to the success of I Love, others have asked if Dr. Travis would help them grow their businesses online, and more specifically with Amazon, which led to the creation of the Profitable Pineapple Ads Agency. Well, why pineapple? Well, why not? Specializing in Amazon PPC, Dr. Travis blogs about Amazon PPC and selling on Amazon, and also has a free Amazon PPC masterclass, which you can check out at ProfitablePineapple.com. So welcome to the podcast, Travis. Josh, happy to be here and glad to be, glad to be providing value to your audience. So looking forward to it. Well, Travis, I'm, it's an honor to have you here because I've heard you speak on stages multiple times. Uh, we first met at uh, Ryan Moran's, you know, CapCon event, right? And then... Uh, we, I heard you speak there at the Billion Dollar Seller Summit, then ran into you again at the Sell and Scale Summit recently. And so uh, it, it's fun to see you frequently. And the knowledge that you continue to share is, I don't know, let's say it's floored me each time so much so that I was like, I got to have this guy on the podcast. And I'm looking forward to, you know, our listeners hearing about your journey and the latest like tactics that you've been implementing and, and wicked smart strategies, honestly. Um, with blogs and PPC to boost organic sales. So I'm excited to have you on. And let's go ahead and dive straight in, Travis. Why don't you tell us about I Love? This is a brand you've exited. Um, so tell us, you know, how did I Love get started? How did you grow it to a point where you were able to exit the business? And maybe walk us through that journey a little bit. Now, I, I will get into that, but I do want to throw some appreciations your way too, because you, you made me sound all good because I was speaking up on stage. but at the last Billion Dollar Seller Summit in 2022, Josh and I went head-to-head -head in a hack competition, and Josh out-hacked my hack and won the $2,500. So don't, don't take anything away from you as well. So you got you to throw a little brag in there, too, for yourself. Hey, well, no. I, I appreciate that, Travis. I was up against some, some stiff competition, <laughs> so it was, uh, 
it, it was a good little boost to, to my confidence to say like, Hey, I, I can run with this guy. So anyways, but you, thus you were, you were the runner up there, obviously. So you've got multiple hacks to share. Uh, so yes, you've, I've already set the stage for you, Travis. <laughs> So I feel like the hacks that I share are more strategy based. And so that's why they tend to win is because they're not just like one-time hacks that are just going to work for six months to 12 months. They're long-term strategies, but we'll probably get into a lot of those. But let me just go back to your question that you asked, which was all about I love. Uh-huh. To, to give you guys a background, I am an optometrist by trade. I actually graduated in the year 2010 and my wife is actually an optometrist as well. And she graduated in 2011. We practiced for four years for my uncle in Columbus, Ohio. And I just felt this itch that I just couldn't scratch what I was doing at the time. And so my wife and I did the three things you're not supposed to do. We quit our jobs. We moved across the country from Ohio to South Carolina. And then we opened up two businesses. So we opened up two practices in South Carolina. She worked at one. I worked at the other. Now we went from a busy optometrist office where I was seeing six patients an hour to seeing one patient an hour. And so we were incredibly bored. And something came across my email inbox called Amazing Selling Machine, which was done by Matt Clark and and, um, Jason Katzenbach. And I bought it. And that taught us how to sell on Amazon. We didn't really follow the course to a T on product selection. We actually came out with something that we just knew, which was sunglasses. And we were optometrists. We're just like, let's just come out with sunglasses. And we sold plastic sunglasses for years. Built that up to about a $3 million company before we pivoted. And The reason we pivoted is because we didn't really have any fulfillment with selling pieces of plastic to people. Yeah, it's it's good. It's fun. Some people do great at branding like Ray-Ban, like Gooder sunglasses. Those are both great brands of sunglasses, but we just didn't feel the urge to to build that up even more. So we pivoted into the dry eye space and we started building a dry eye audience without ever having a product to sell. And we started doing that in about 2016. And then in 2017, we came out with our first product, which was based on one of our audience or one of our, uh, I wouldn't call them customers at that point, but one of our audience members in the dry eye space telling us what to come out with. And that's how we came out with our first product, became our first hero product, quote unquote, selling over a hundred, about 150 per day. And it really changed the landscape of not only dry eye, but our business. And then we just kept coming out with products after that. We ended up making the Inc. 5000 fastest growing company list in 2020. And so that brings a lot of offers to the table. And in 2021, we entertained all those offers. And I had a cookie cutter response back saying, hey, I understand you're interested in, we're not for sale, but here's what we want. Here's what we want to do. So we wanted a a cash payment, of course, like everybody does. We wanted to roll over some equity into the bigger brand. And we wanted to stay a part of it because we knew that this could grow to something much bigger. And we wanted to be a part of it. And we wanted to find a strategic partner that could help us grow that. And so a lot of people laughed at that until one person didn't. And actually at the same time, two people didn't. And we had a not really a bidding war, but we were going back and forth between the two. And we ended up settling on the one because they know the wholesale model of the eye care space. We know the direct consumer side. And so it was a marriage that was really good because we could do all their direct consumer. They could do all our wholesale. And we here we are a year and a half later. I'm still president of the company. My wife's still vice president. And our contract is starting to phase out. And we'll probably not be involved as much anymore come the end of 2022, 2023. Not really sure there. And then we will hopefully still be the agency that runs the direct-to-consumer line. So we still want to see the business succeed because we believe in the product and we know how much it can change lives. So that is a brief summary of a seven-year journey all tied up in a nice little package for you. (laughs) Easy, Easy breezy. It was just rainbows and sunshine the whole way through. Um, sure. <laughs> now, Travis, I, I love that. So talk to me a little bit more about, you know, your first product that you kind of selected with dry eye sufferers. Is that because you were an optometrist and you were looking at the issues that people were experiencing in your clinics and that's where you went? It wasn't necessarily like, hey, I saw this opportunity on Amazon. Is that right? Yeah. So that's a great question. So we sold products in our clinics. We had a very geriatric clinic. The funny thing is we actually wanted to come out with a pediatric clinic. Instead, we got geriatrics because we moved to South Carolina, very aged demographic there. And we sold dry eye products on our shelves. We sold a product called Avanova, a product called Ocusoft and Nordic Naturals, which was an omega-3 and eyelid wipe and a hypochlorous acid spray. And then one day I was at a conference of Ryan Moran's. It was called the Tribe Summit. 
And at this tribe summit, there was a doctor on stage and they were just drilling him with questions. And finally, one of the, the, the like panel members was just like, you're the doctor. Why don't you come out with your own products? And at that time we were just selling sunglasses and a light bulb went off my, my, my mind. And I was just like, this is, this is it. This is what we have to do. So I went back to my practice. I looked at all those products on the shelves. I was like, we need to come out with every single product up there under our own label and figure it out. And then that's when we started the dry eye community. So we started a dry eye Facebook group called the dry eye syndrome support community. We started building up our, our email list, but we didn't know which product we were going to come out with first. And then one day, about a year later, then somebody comes up to me and the product we were selling Avanova was $30 a month. And they upped their price from $30 a month to $300 a month for the consumer. Oh my heavens. Yeah, exactly. And wow. that's what the, that's what the patient said to me. The patient came in and was just like, Hey, you're the entrepreneur. She held up a bottle of Avanova. She said, this is now $300 a month. I can't afford it. You figure it out. And I was like, okay. So look for a manufacturer of this product. The problem with this product is when you make it, it creates bleach as a byproduct in the solution. Mm. And you don't really want to be spraying bleach on your eyelids. It might burn a little bit and might cause some other irritation. So we had to find a manufacturer that can manufacture it without producing bleach as a byproduct. We ended up finding one and I was on the phone with them five days later. And we had our first private label run for our, our hypochlorous acid solution literally seven days after that, that patient came in. Now, on top of that, we started innovating it a little bit more to make it more gentle for eyelids, changing the pH balance and everything. But that all came from just listening to our patients or listening to our customers and just listening to what the world is throwing at you. And I'm forever grateful for what that patient did because that's what springboarded it. And now if I were to continue practicing and I was still practicing today, all those products on that shelf, we now have a product under each of the, under our own brand name. That is so cool. You know, one thing I, I take away from your story there is that you continue to move forward, right? You were willing to listen to the customer, but you were also willing to take action, right? And time and time again, I think as entrepreneurs, you know, we're not a going to be able to do all the perfect product research to be able to say right from the get go, this is just going to crush it. Right. Um, but you've just got to launch stuff. And like you did, you're like, OK, we found this manufacturer. We created this product. You threw it up on Amazon and then you ha created this community and you found that there was a big need for it. Right. But I'm sure along the way, did you have any other failures where you did launch other products and they didn't succeed? Did we have any other failures? Um, I would say we had approximately 99,000 failures in this business. And that's the thing is, like you said, we just took action and we don't know how it's going to be done or if it's going to be done right, but we just do it. And when we do it, we learn along the way when obstacles come about. So yeah, we've had multiple failures, not just with product launches, but we've launched a lot of things in the sunglass space. So most of our sunglasses failed, but the ones that succeeded drove that company to a $3 million success. But out of that $3 million, I would say we had almost 40 failed products as a result. Now with the mm. dry ice base, yeah, we still fail. And our latest product launch, not the latest one, but the, the one before the last, we launched it in May and we thought we had a great product and it completely flopped. Reviews came in two and a half mm. stars on average. And we're back, we're up to three and a half stars now, but it's just a, a completely terrible product. Nobody's reordering it and we completely flopped and it, it sucks, but we didn't let that stop us to release the next product, which we released in, in August, which was just a couple months later. And now that product's doing 20 a day, which is good for that space because it's not a big market. That's the key thing is with every failure, we just keep on going. And yeah, we've had plenty of failures. And if you want to get into any of those, I'll be happy to discuss them. <laughs> yeah, I think what what I want to make the point there with the listeners is that there are a lot of mistakes that you make along the way. But like you mentioned, Travis, like you kind of had this like turning point where with this dry eye product that you released, it like it took off doing more than 100 sales a day. But you never would have got there had you just given up after, you know, let's go back to when you were doing the sunglasses. Right. And you're like, oh, crap, I, I can't figure this thing out. Right. And let's just throw in the towel and. Let's let's just go back to the optometry clinic. Right. And just focus on our own clinic. Right. I know that space, but you kept putting putting yourself out there. Right. And, and I love that. And that's an important thing that I want to encourage all entrepreneurs, even when the times get tough. Right. If you will keep moving forward, keep testing out new ideas, keep launching, keep innovating. 
something will click. And when, when you do make those pivots, like it will open up new opportunities for your business, but you just got to keep moving forward. So Travis, we could, we could talk about the, you know, successes and failures there for, I think all day long. And both you and I could share a lot of stories there, but I would love to um, learn more about your exit a little bit more because as I've talked with you in the past, you were very clear with what you wanted out of your exit. You weren't just like, Hey, I just got to offload this brand immediately. I just want a, a big payday. Like you were very specific with what you were looking for. Tell us about your experience. Like how did you know when it was time to sell your brand and um, what, we got, go what were you looking for? Yeah, we, we got That's what we wanted. What, how'd you know it was time? <laughs> yeah. So we, we, we got exactly what we wanted. And that's the reason we sold when we did, because like I stated before, we were not for sale and we had made the Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies list. And there are people that just look at that list and then find somebody to reach out to in that company and make an offer because they realize that they're growing fast and they can probably pour fuel on that fire, which is why they, they reached out to us. And that's why we got an email pretty much every week, which is what prompted me to say, okay, what do I really want out of this business? I want to get this product into the most hands that I can possible because I truly believe it is the best product out there for dry eye, for blepharitis, for styes, for, for pretty much any meibomian gland dysfunction. Those are all eye diseases. And we knew that this product was one of the best out there on the market. And we just had to get it into more hands. So who could help me do that? That was kind of criteria number one. And it went back to our mission. Our mission was to get into the hands of 1 million dry eye sufferers because we wanted to help them heal their dry eye naturally. And we've probably helped close to 100 to 150,000 at this point. And so who can get me to that 1 million faster? Who can pour that fuel on the fire to get us there faster? That was criteria number one with selling. Criteria number two was we knew our dream financial numbers. We knew exactly what we needed to feel free, essentially to have financial freedom, security, and to be able to take us to that next level of where we want to go with our finances. So that was kind of step number two. Most people have... Step number two is step number one. They think it's all about the money, but then once they get the money, they kind of feel empty inside. And, and believe me when I say, right. it even happened to us, even though we have our why. We have our why of mm. we wanted to get to that 1 million dry eye sufferers. That was the reason we sold. But even when we hit our dream financial numbers, it's still, there was something that is gone inside. And so mm. make sure money is not your driving force because you'll get it. You'll eventually get it. And when you do, if you don't have something else to, to, to kind of push and motivate you, then you're going to feel empty inside and it's just not going to be there anymore. So those are kind of the top two is our mission drove the sale. And then would it help us achieve financially what we want to achieve within the next 10 years? And the answer was yes to both of those. Third thing is, do we like the people that we're going to marry? Do we like the people that we're going to sell to and then possibly work for afterwards? And so that was kind of step number three is we talked to them. We met them in person. We went out to their headquarters. And it was a yes. So after those three criteria were met, it was a no-brainer for us. And then it took about six to 12 months to get all the due diligence in place and get the thing finalized. And I'm glad it took that long because it really let us really think about it. And the thing about all these aggregators, they can get it done in 30 days, but that doesn't really give you time to reflect. It's kind of like, okay, yeah. yeah, let's do it. And then they kind of rush you through the process and it can be overwhelming and you get through it and you've done all this work that you just feel like you have to sign at that point. And believe me, I went through it. I went through it. I almost got purchased in 2019 from an aggregator and it was not a fun experience. And my gut was telling mm. me to just stop and just take a, take a step back. And that's what we did. And we decided not to sign. And so we're glad we didn't, but to go back to your question, those are kind well, of the top tell three. Me, tell me more about, tell me more about that. So in 2019, you had a potential exit, right? What, what was it that, made you say no to that? Um, it was my gut. <laughs> There's no other reason but that. And the reason we were selling did not line up with those three things. It wasn't mm -hmm. going to give us our dream financial number. It was not going to support the mission. And it wasn't a deal with people that we wanted to do business with. And so mm -hmm. those three things didn't line up, but it felt so rushed. And when we asked ourselves, why are we actually selling? There wasn't a good reason for it. And so that's why we pulled out and our gut was selling us to pull out. It was a lot of work that we did, but it was also a good learning experience too, because we got to learn what was really yep. needed for a sale. And then we got to pivot our business for the sale in 2021, which is two years later. Yeah. 
No, I, I love that. And I think that's so, so important that you were very clear with what you kind of desired, right? Both you and Jenna had already kind of figured out like, look, these are our life goals. This is the mission behind the brand. Just those three criteria. Like if you don't have those three criteria or just any criteria whatsoever, and you're just looking for any type of payday, you might sell yourself short in many instances. And it's been the same thing with our own brand. We've had numerous, you know, aggregators reach out and it's like, no, now is not the right time. Um, we're not at that number that that we've determined for our family. And we still feel like there's room to run with where we're currently at. Right. And so for us, we, you know, after talking with you, you know, I think like I remember the conversation we had at Capcom and it really started like formulating in my mind, like I need to lay down like my strategy or like my criteria of when it would be time to exit my brand. And now it helps kind of shape the way we're building the business, where we're going, and then not having to get caught up like with entertaining email offers that come through from aggregators and be like, oh, should it be this one? Should it be that one? It's like, no, we we, we know our path. We know where we're going. So anyways, Travis, I think you did a great job laying all that out. Last thing I want to ask you on the exit before we kind of pivot and we'll turn into more of the strategies that you've been implementing that have been working wonders for your clients. Um, I want to talk about when you did exit, you talk about that feeling of, okay, the money will come, right? But sometimes, and I've heard this from numerous entrepreneurs that have exited, it's kind of like you almost feel a little lost after the exit. You're like, oh, well, that was like, that was my baby. That's what I was doing day in and day out for the last, you know, seven years, like you said. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's kind of gone. Now you are still involved for sure. But some people, they, they literally step away and like one day you're going 100 miles an hour, the next day you're at zero, right? Um, tell me about that transition. Any like pointers, tips, advice you would give to people? I think you had previously started Profitable Pineapple Ads before the exit. Is that true? Yeah. So we started about four years ago and the exit was about a year ago. Okay. And so, so yeah, you had already started it. So you already had something else going on, right? Do you feel like that helped? It did help, but... To, to go back to your question about tips and pointers, it's all about where you find your worth in life. And a lot of us as entrepreneurs find that worth in what we're doing in our business. We bury ourselves in busy work because that's what we feel like is our worth. And it's all about that is finding what makes you feel, I don't want to say worthy, but find out what makes you feel good inside. I'm a creator. I love to educate. And so I educated with my dry eye brand. We had a show called the dry eye show. It was a podcast and a YouTube station. But then in the agency side, I also, am, I teach people all the strategies that we used. And so I love to educate people on how to do stuff. And I was a, a professor at Ohio state. So I find my value in education, in masterminding with people in networking. And so as long as that didn't go away when we sold our business, then I would be fine. My wife, on the other hand, I don't think she knows as much. She finds it in motherhood a little bit, but we have, we have two kids and they're in school during the day. So, but she also finds it in, I think writing is her kind of passion is email, copywriting, blog posting, and creating that value for people in the written form. But when I love kind of is going away or has gone away and it's changed over the last year and a half, she didn't get to do that as much as she used to. And so her kind of value and her worth that she felt kind of went away. And so she kind of felt empty inside and, and it's, it's very hard. So as an entrepreneur, we need to find our worth in something that we can continue doing even when the, the business is gone. That doesn't mean busy work. It just means focusing on what you feel like you were put on this earth to do. And mine is education and then focusing on our foundation's mission, which is giving people vision that don't have access to eye care. And so we go on mission trips three to, two to three to four times a year. And we donate to those causes as well. And that's because that's where we find value is giving people vision because that helps their lives, of course. And then also educating and creating for people to help them learn things as well. I love that. I think that that is some very actionable and well-intended advice for anybody. I think there's a great introspective questions to be able to ask yourself and get to know yourself, like where's your zone of genius? What is it that you are sent here to the earth 
to do and how do you contribute to society in a bigger form of just your business. So Travis, I think you hit the nail right on the head. Thanks for summing that up. All right, let's pivot now, Travis, into profitable pineapple ads. Um, You know, tell us why you got started in PPC and let's talk about some of the, you know, tactics that have been working in PPC specifically for now. And then I know you've got in the Billion Dollar Seller Summit, uh, you shared some advanced tactics about implementing blog strategies and some of that cool stuff. And so we'll get to that. But let's talk about just regular old PPC to begin with and your journey to where it got to you right now with your agency. Yeah, so the agency was just born out of a need that we had. And again, listening to the universe and how it's coming at us and taking action on it. And so what happened was we hired multiple agencies, seven agencies total, tried six softwares. This was back in 2016 and 2017. And finally, I hired a good friend of mine who had a very respectable agency and software. And I thought, you know, I think they're going to do a great job. If they can't do it, then I got to figure it out. And unfortunately, it just didn't work out. And what I found with agencies constantly is they just spend a lot for a little return. And they always promised, yeah, it's coming. It's coming. We're just getting the data. The problem is I kind of knew what to do with Amazon PPC. So there was a lot of data already there that they didn't need to spend a bunch to get more data. And so that kind of frustrated me to the point of, I'm going to figure this out myself and do it. And so, you know, in the middle of 2017, I just decided to dig my heels in and just start learning PPC more than I already knew and trying to figure out how I can teach this to other people. So I hired my first, we'll call him an employee, but you can also say co-founder of the agency with me. It was my best friend from college. And we kind of worked through this together. And I think you met Adam at BDSS last time we were there. Um, And, you know, we just figured out Amazon PPC together. And then I was at the amazing.coms conference one day and I heard Sheree Yvette speak and she speaks in metaphors, which is fantastic. But her whole philosophy and strategy around PPC, it was just like one of those aha moments. And I was like, this is it. And what she talks about is just pretty, pretty simply just simplifying your Amazon PPC. And so the way I teach it is the 80-20 Pareto's principle. 20% of what you're doing in life produces 80% of your results. So 20% of what you're doing for your business produces 80% of the results. 20% of your products produce 80% of your revenue. 20% of your customer search terms produce 80% of your revenue on PPC. 20% of the ASINs you're targeting produce 80% of the revenue that from the ASINs. And so it was all just about simplifying PPC to a point of focus on what's working. And when we did that, it made PPC easier. It took less time but it increased our profits. It decreased our ACOS, but it increased our revenue as well. And so we did this for Mm -hmm. our own account, saw that it worked. Other people had been asking me to do their PPC for them. So we took on two clients as a result. Adam managed those two clients using the exact same philosophy that we just discussed and their accounts took off. And so we're like, I think we have something here. The problem was it was very manual. There's no software involved. And then finally we started using a software called Quartile which you might be familiar with. I always recommend if you're going to use Quartile, go through us. Don't go through Quartile. And so just please do that. But, um, and now we've developed our own simplified strategy using a software. So now we can scale it even more. So now we're up to about 120 clients. We have a team of about 11 people. And it's a lot of learning lessons in that too. But it all started from a need to figuring it out, to simplifying it, and then just scaling it from there. And it works incredibly well. And it's something that, you know, it's, it's been a, it's a fun journey and I've got to do it with my best friend as well. And so we get to go to conferences together and have a good time. Uh, I love that. Share with us, what are some of those simple PPC strategies that you, that you implement? And maybe you could parlay this into some case studies that you've been able to, you know, create with these 120 clients that you've worked with, share with us, you know, what happened when they came on? What are some of those simple strategies and the account setup that you do that allowed them to improve their results? Yeah, so let's jump into just the, the simple strategy. So we talked about 20% of search terms are creating 80% of your results. And so what we do is we literally focus on that 20%. So let's say you have, and, and the, also the 20% of products that are producing 80% of your results. The big problem that I see is most Amazon sellers are following too many different strategies and they hear something on this podcast or this podcast and this YouTube video, 
And then they try to implement all that. And it's just this like smorgasbord of strategies that doesn't make sense together. And is my strategy the only way to do it? No. But if you just follow one strategy, that's the key thing. And just keep following that. And my strategy may not work for you. So then after you try mine for, let's say, six months to a year, go to somebody else's. So, but you got to stick to one. So once we find out the 20% of products that are producing 80% of the results, we focus on those, that 20% of products. So let's give a real world example. We have 10 products. Two of them are your heroes. Focus all of your time and effort and money on those two products. Now you're asking yourself, what about the other eight? Aren't those going to flounder? Yes, they will. A little bit. But your energy is being cross spread around those 10 products that if you just focus on these two, your profits, your revenue will go up. And then eventually you'll take those revenues or that increased profit and then start working on the other eight products. And so that's kind of key point number one is just focus on the products that are really working. Get to the other products later, because when you focus on the products that are working, you'll take off those sales enough, get those momentum, and then you can go start putting that towards the other products. And then when you download a search, what do you mean by, sorry, what do you mean by focus on the products that are working? Right. So you've got, let's say you got 10 product, 10 products, two that are crushing it. Right. What do you mean by focusing on them? Like creating ad campaigns only for those two and not creating ad campaigns for the others? Or are you saying, yeah, maybe create ad campaigns, but really start refining and optimization on only two of those products? Um, specifically. Can you dive into a little bit more detail there? Yeah. Great segue into the next step. So now we've picked our products to focus on. Now what we're going to do is make sure the listings are optimized. Of course, pictures look good. Pictures are professional. Don't get 3d renderings, get actual pictures and get lifestyle images, pay somebody to do some photography for them to make them look really good. That's kind of key step. Number one, make sure you have your ratings and reviews up. And then focus on the search terms. So you've probably been running advertising on those. So download that search term report, find the search terms that are winning for that product and scale those. So what we do is we take those search terms. I am a single keyword ad campaign guy. So that means one keyword, one ad group, one product per campaign. And that's so we can customize the entire campaign around that specific product. So that's, we can customize budgets, bid adjustments, and top of search placements and all that. And we can, we can just customize the whole thing for that one keyword or search term, whatever you want to say for that one search term for that one product into an exact match campaign. And we take all those search terms that are working and put them into single keyword ad campaigns that are exact match. So we can scale those. If your budget allows it, we then put those same search terms into broad match, single keyword ad campaigns, broad match. And so after you do that every month, this will create new search terms that you can then continue to scale up and up and up. Does that make sense? Okay. That makes now, sense. Yeah, keep going. I was going to say to jump into a case study. So there was a, there was a, a customer that we took on and they had actually, I think I just did their case study. They had 10 products, two of them were smashing it. And so okay. we literally scraped those words out that were working, put them into single keyword ad campaigns in both exact match and broad match. You can also do phrase if you have the budget to it, but it doesn't really matter to me that much. I mean, you can, but what happened was, they almost doubled their revenue within the next six months, including their profits because their ACOS went down, revenues went up, and then their other products took off as a result because then we could start using that profit to go back after those other products. But the key thing that happens here is as you increase the sales velocity of those first two products, you're going to get spillover for your brand. People are going to start trusting your brand more. Mm-hmm. So they're going to search your brand name, which is then then spill over to the other products as well. So that's going to increase those as well. And so you have the spillover effect that helps the other products too. And this, this company that we helped, we started with them in January of 2021, I believe. They were doing close to about 150000 a month. By the end of June, July-ish, they were doing 300000 a month. Last month, they did 600000 And this, this is implementing Amazing. other strategies as well, um, which we'll probably get into later. But we, we're now implementing our blog posting strategy. So we find keywords both in Amazon and off Amazon around the problems that our product solves. We then create blogs around those products and we drive Google ads traffic to that. But we'll probably get into that a little bit more. But to take a step back, those same search terms that are working in Amazon PPC that are your 20% that are creating 80% of your results, we'll then scrape those out and make single keyword ad campaigns in Google as well. And those will be exact Mm. match and they'll go direct to your Amazon listing using the Amazon brand referral bonus. So now we have external traffic for that keyword. We have internal traffic for that keyword. 
We have organic sales because Amazon likes sales velocity, period. That's it. That's all they want is sales velocity. Increase your conversion rate, increase your sales velocity, increase your organic rank. So if we're sending Google yeah. ads traffic, PPC traffic, organic traffic, it's all going to increase your, your rank. And so that's, that's what we're doing for our clients is optimizing PPC, focusing on the products, focusing on the search terms that are working, moving those search terms over to exact match campaigns inside Amazon PPC and in Google ads. And that's kind of step one, step two, step three. And then we start building those blog posts around the problem that your product solves and driving problem related keywords to those blogs, which then sends more external traffic to your Amazon listing. So that is our whole strategy in a very small nutshell again. <laughs> I love it. Well, it is a brilliant strategy, Travis. And, and I thank you for sharing that. I have a few questions that is, as it relates to, you know, identify those, identifying those winning keywords. So you identify a single keyword that, that is, you know, producing a lot of those results, right? It's driving a lot of traffic. What is a good, like, a cost that you should be looking at? Um, or does that even matter? Are you looking at just the conversion rate? Do you look at click-through rate? How do you know that, that a keyword is a good keyword? Yeah, that's a great question. So once you download your search term report, what we do is we sort it by amount of orders. And so you want your top orders at the top, the most orders at the top, least orders at the bottom. We delete everything with three or fewer orders. Just get rid of them. Two or fewer orders if you want to be less picky, but we do three or fewer orders. And that will, I think our search term report is over 10,000 words. When we do that, it gets down to like 500. So that's even more 80-20 than 80-20. Yeah. And that's how you identify the top search terms for your products. And then of course, you're gonna see some, once you separate them out by product, you're gonna see some search terms that are just killing it on sales velocity. I'm talking 70 to 100 to 1,000 orders in that 30 to 60 month time, or 30 to 60 day timeframe. And then the other ones are just kind of, you know, four to five to six. And those are the ones you really just wanna focus all your time and effort on. Okay, but you're not necessarily worried, you're not looking at ACoS or conversion rate then? too much? Yeah. So conversion rate, not so much. Um, ACOS, yes, you can look at both, but with ACOS, what we do yeah. is if we have, if we have a, a word that has a lot of sales velocity, but the, the ACOS is a little too high, then we just try to optimize that word. We're not going to eliminate it, but we're going to optimize it. We're going to peel it off into that single keyword ad campaign. And then okay. we're going to figure out, we're going to calculate our bid. So we're going to figure out what bid we need to get it to the ACOS that we want in mm. order to get to the, in order to keep sales velocity on that keyword, but it won't be as high, of course, but to just kind of optimize it. And you just, I I don't know if I want to do it on a podcast, but it's clicks divided by orders. Then you got to figure out your maximum cost per acquisition. Then you divide that by clicks divided by orders. (laughs) There you go, people. You heard it. I hope you were taking down notes. That's one you could go back and rewind, right? And, and jot that down. But yeah, I think that is important. And, And again, I think Travis, if people do want to dive down deeper and further on that, you have your own PPC masterclass and we can, we can save that for, for later. But I think that's important. I just wanted to dive into a couple of those strategies. Um, Now I am also interested. You found some winning keywords, right? You find the ones that are generating a lot of orders. Then you turn on Google ads for those. Um, I'm curious, do you use any software tools to run those Google ads or are you just doing that all yourself? Uh, we do it manually. So like within Google. Yeah. Yeah. So we do it manually because, um, there are softwares out there. The one that's recommended the most is amps.io. That's the one that most people use. And I would say if you're on the fence on whether to use it or not, use it because I'd rather have you doing Google ads than not doing Google ads because learning our strategy has a lot of intricacies and it takes even our account managers a pretty long time to, to really get a grasp of it. That's why they work on my account and until they get it down and then they go into their own accounts. And so Google ads isn't hard to do, but there's little intricacies here and there that you want to be able to, to know. And Google ads is very simple. So we have this Amazon attribution link that we get from the brand referral bonus program. And that's the link we're going to use directly to your product listing or directly to your storefront page. And we just do a maximize clicks search campaign. That's all you need to know. Maximize okay. clicks search campaign, because what that's going to do is it's going to maximize clicks for your budget. I recommend a $5 a day budget when you start. It will determine what to bid on that keyword to maximize the number of clicks you'll get for that $5 a day budget. 
And so it's not in Google's best interest to go for $5 clicks because you get one click. It wants you to get as many clicks as possible. Now, the advantage of doing those single keyword ad campaigns in not, not Amazon PPC, but in Google is that you can make the ad all around that keyword. And when you do that, you're mm. reading the customer's mind. So when they type in German chocolate and your ad says German chocolate on Amazon, buy German chocolate on Amazon, it's reading their mind. They trust Amazon. Yeah. They go click over to buy it. It's very simple. Let's say you have a coupon on there. Save 5% on German chocolate on Amazon. That's going to be a high click-through yeah. rate, which will get them over to Amazon. Now, the higher the click-through rate, click-through rate to Google is what conversion rate and sales velocity is to Amazon. The higher your conversion mm. rate and sales velocity is on Amazon, the more organic ranking you're going to get, the more sales you're going to get, the cheaper yep. your PPC is going to be. Google, the higher your click-through rate, the cheaper your ads are going to get, the more they're going to get clicked, and the more traffic you're going to get as a result. I have one, just to give you a quick example, I have one Google ad has a 33% click-through rate. Very, very high. Wow. In the Google ad space. That, that is high. <laughs> Six cents per click. That's how much I pay. Because the keyword is so in tune with the ad, which is so in tune with the landing page. And when all three of those are really good, Google gives you a high quality score. It'll give you a low cost per click. You'll get a ton of traffic. So with that six cent clicks, I get close to 10,000 clicks a week on that keyword. Wow. I'm not sharing what that one yeah. is. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, okay. I think there's a lot to unpack, even just in this Google ad strategy before we move on to this blog stuff. What have you seen? Okay. So it, maybe it is for this six cent click one that you're just crushing it with. What do you find that has been working best with Google ad copy specifically, right? To increase, increase that click through rate. Do you find that, is it the coupon, right? I'm sure you've tested out multiple things. Is it important to have a coupon where it is say 5%, 10%, 20%, whatever you want to do, right? On German chocolate on Amazon, or are there other, like just focusing on the copy of that ad for right now, what have you tested? What have you found to be working? Or is it just different every, for every single product? Now, this is funny because I actually was writing a talk this morning that I'm giving in December of 2022, a little later on this year. This is probably about the time the podcast will be released. And I literally have uh, one of my bullets is how to increase your click-through rate on Google. And so we'll just go through those bullets because I have it pulled up on my screen already. So the first thing is This, this is genius. And so... <laughs> That's a great question. So you have ad extensions that you can add. And what I like to do is add site link extensions. And when you add site link extensions, you can have four to five different extensions on the bottom of your ad that make your ad bigger. And so let's say our ad is about the German chocolate at the top. Your first site link extension can be buy German chocolate. Same link as the one that's in your ad. The second one is you know, buy dark chocolate, buy milk chocolate, buy white chocolate. And so you can have all these different ad extensions with different Amazon attribution links. Make sure ad bigger. There's more things to click on. So ad extensions is number one. If you have a sale, you can actually create a countdown on your ad. So let's say it's a Black Friday, Cyber Monday sale. You can do a countdown. And I don't know what the bracket's called, but it's the, uh, it's like the, it's not a parentheses. It's not a bracket. It's like the curvy one. I don't mm, even know how to, okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I know what you're talking about, but I don't know the name of it. So I'm not going to embarrass myself by throwing something yeah, incorrect out there. <laughs> but if you're in the headline of your Google ad and you put that open curvy parenthesis bracket, not parenthesis, but the, the other bracket, it will actually give you a menu and you can get a countdown bracket in there. So when you put countdown, you'll then put the time that you want it to count down to and your ad will actually have a countdown timer on it. Thank you, Leo, um, from BDSS for teaching me that one because that one was just genius. It blew my mind. Same thing, though, is if you use that same little curvy bracket, which I knew the name of it, should look that up, and you put the word keyword in there, you can actually insert a keyword in there. So let's say we put in keyword chocolate. Whatever the person is typing into Google, let's say they're putting German chocolate, German chocolate will replace that word. Let's say they put dark chocolate, mm. dark chocolate will replace that word. So reading the customer's mind, getting them to click through higher, knowing what they're searching for. Now, if the word is too long, whatever word you put in there will show up. That may have sounded confusing, confusing, but there's, if you look up keyword insertion for Google ads, they have a great support thing. And the example is chocolate. That's why I have chocolate on my head or my mind right now. 
The third thing you can do is just put a call to action. Shop now on Amazon. Buy now on Amazon. Making sure that you just have that click here to shop on Amazon now. Having that call to action is huge. If you have an offer running, 50% off on Amazon, $5 on Amazon, save $5. Click here now, shop only on Amazon. That's another way to do it. Um, your main keyword should also be in the um, URL. So you can do that in your Google ads when you're creating it is you can put the main URL. So German chocolate should be in that URL. And then I think the final one is images. You can add images now to your search ads. And so images increase our click-through rate, not as much as I thought, but when we just did a split test, it was like a 2% increase, which I'll take that any day of the week. So a 2% increase if you just add an image to your Google ad. And they have, I think they're with Unsplash. And so you can just use Unsplash stock images, or you can upload your own images as well. So that's kind of the seven hacks of increasing your click-through rate on Google. But you can also take some of these over to Amazon, not all of them, of course, because they're Google specific, but some of these you can take to Facebook, to Google, to anything else too. Brilliant. Uh, Travis, you, you've blown my mind um, with this Google ad stuff. So thank you for sharing these strategies. I mean, wicked smart. Uh, this is why you won the best speaker award previously at Billion Dollar Seller Summit. Uh, Travis is always dropping actionable, actionable advice. And I think, you know, Travis, going back to what you said earlier, like, you know, you're on this earth to like educate and inspire other people. And I feel like you have done that and more on this podcast today. Now, we've got a few minutes remaining, but I do want to touch on that blog strategy as well. So why don't you dive into the details of this blog strategy? How are you creating blog content that's addressing a problem that the product solves and driving traffic to Amazon? And what are some results that you're seeing from there? So I'm a complete nerd with Google ads. That's why I love it. But I am not a Google ads expert. So that's like, I, I know how to use Google ads for what I'm specifically using it for, which is direct to Amazon and then directly to a blog post. Now, when you're building a blog post, the problem that most people do is they, they focus everything that they're doing with Google ads, especially around product based keywords, not problem based keywords. When you start to focus on the problem based keywords, that's when you get those cheap clicks. So I'm going to give you an example. I sell eyelid wipes. I sell, I don't sell yet, but eye drops. They're coming out soon. That's our next product. So those are product-based keywords. Eyelid wipes, eye drops, product-based keywords. What are the problems that my product solves? Okay, they solve dry eye. They solve blepharitis. They solve my bowing gland dysfunction and styes, which is what I talked about earlier. So now I'm going to look up on Google that you can use their, their um, keyword planner. Look up problem-based keywords. So I'll type into Google Keyword Planner, dry eye, blepharitis size, and my bombing gland dysfunction. It will give me search volume. It will then show me other keywords that are related. What I'm looking for there is high search volume with low competition. And it shows you that on Google Keyword Planner. High search volume, low competition, low cost per click for page one. I then create a blog post around that. Let's say the word is blepharitis. So easy blog posts to write are question blog posts. What is blepharitis? What causes blepharitis? What are blepharitis treatments? I like listicles. The seven, so you use an odd number with a superlative word and then keyword. So seven best blepharitis treatments. Seven worst causes of blepharitis. Seven best dry eye treatments. And so you can create these listicles and then your products are number one, number two. Now, when we started doing this strategy in 2017, we didn't have any products. We just wrote these articles to see what would sell. We became affiliates for products on Amazon and we just sell those products on Amazon. We just get a little affiliate commission, but it showed us what's selling and what's not. So when we came out with that first product, that was our number one for blepharitis treatment, for dry eye treatments, for eye treatment. We could never say that our product treated dry eye or treated blepharitis. What we'd say is for dry eye treatment, you need to clean your eyelids with a hypochlorous acid. Clean eyelids are the key. Use a hypochlorous acid. Here's the hypochlorous acid we recommend. By the way, this is ours. And so that's mm. what caused them to, they'd warm up, learn that they need to clean their eyelids. Then they see the pro product that solves their problem. And then we'd have other products too. And what we found is the number one on the listicle got 40% of the clicks. Number two got 20%. And then the other 40% was divided between the rest of them. So then we drive low cost Google ad traffic to this blog post. And then that blog post goes over to Amazon. Now, 
there's the new, of course, Amazon attribution program. So now we can use that and get a 10% bonus for all these links that we're putting outside of Amazon, which makes the math a lot easier on this because you have even more profit to deal with. So we used Amazon Associates before, which is only 2%. Now we use Amazon Attribution, which is 10%. So we're getting 10% back, which we can then dump into more Google Ads, and it makes everything more profitable as a result. And then you're also sending all this external traffic to Amazon, which then increases your organic ranking, increases your organic sales. So when you start to do this and you come out with multiple problem-based keywords, or excuse me, problem-based blogs, and you're sending all this external traffic to your products, it creates this moat around your Amazon listing that when you go out of stock, you can shoot right back up in the rankings because you can turn all this external traffic back on, which shoots you right back up. It also makes you kind of invincible to your competitors doing black hat tax tactics because you're just consistently sending traffic all the time and you don't have to turn it off because it's profitable. We're getting anywhere from a three to a seven ROAS on our best blogs on our worst blog wow. under one on the average blogs, probably one to three, but I think our overall average is about a 3.5 total. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, very simple strategy. And that's what I love. Like all of this stuff is very actionable for anybody listening. Um, but, but brilliant at the same time, Travis, I know you've talked about how this has worked well for some type of product brands and you've tested it out and it hasn't worked as well for others. Uh, maybe just share with the audience what you have seen, like, Hey, here's, here's kind of a good indication that this would, your brand is like primed for success with this strategy versus, yeah, this probably isn't worth your time. What are, what are you seeing there? If you're listening to this and like, well, I can't think of the problem that my product solves. Well, you're in trouble because that's what people buy is problems. They buy to get out of pain or to get to pleasure. And so if you're building a brand, I, w- I won't even call it a brand. If you're building products around just something that doesn't solve a problem or it doesn't get, a, get rid of pain or get somebody to pleasure, then you might want to rethink your business model. It's not too late. Use your profits that you're making now to go into something else. So what is the problem your product solves? And just think about that. And if you can't think of it, then you need to shift otherwise. So what we've seen that this doesn't work for is people that sell plastic widgets from China with no differentiation. So if you sell something like a rubber spatula, the the most commonly used in all Amazon podcasts and all e-commerce podcasts, If you sell a rubber spatula, how is yours different and what problem does it solve? If you can't answer that question, the strategy is not going to work for you. What I would do is then what I would do with you is I would not do blogs. I would just do direct Google ads, direct to Amazon, skip the blog part because nobody wants to read about the seven best spatulas. It's just, well, maybe, I don't know, could, could be something there, but most of the time it's not. And we've tried it with a couple different, I will, I will call them plastic widgets from China. It just doesn't work as well. The return's not there as much. Because once they get over to Amazon, they can shop a lot more. So what you want to do is if you do send it, you may not want to send it direct to a product page. You may want to send it to your storefront and make a specific landing page around your product so they don't see any other advertisements on it. Because if I go over directly to your product page or a rubber spatula and I scroll down just a little bit, there's a lot more rubber spatulas there. Now we're competing on price and somebody might go over and buy somebody else's. So keep that in mind. You got to be solving a problem. Most of the clients in our agency are health-related clients. So they're doctors. That's how we got our start is we had a bunch of doctors come to us that were selling products and they wanted to pretty much do the same thing that we were doing with iLove. And that's how we grew them. They're solving a specific problem. We focus all our efforts around blogging around that problem. And then they go buy on Amazon as a result. So I hope that answers the question. Yeah, I think you summed it up and then you shared even a a more advanced tactic as well as to when you can use an Amazon storefront page versus going straight to the detail page. And I think that's important, like go into a storefront and you can even imitate that detail page by creating your own storefront landing page for a specific product that basically removes all of the competition from there. So I think that part is not to be overlooked as well. And last question I have here on that strategy for you, Travis, it also seems like if somebody's building a real brand, right? That in your driving traffic to a blog, you could capture some emails or at least be putting a cookie on the website so that you could track those people, maybe even retarget them to build your audience. Are you doing any of that? And have you seen success in terms of building an email list of followers from blogs? 
Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the bread and butter of the strategy and that we didn't get into. And we will briefly go into it now. So if you are sending people to a blog post around a problem that your product solves, then they probably will want something, maybe a freebie to give their email address for that will help them even more on this journey. So let's say we send them to a dry eye blog. I have a book called Rethinking Dry Eye Treatment that we give them for free, the digital version, of course, if they enter their email. We actually send them the digital version, and I don't know if we do it anymore, but we used to send them the audio version as well because we had it on Audible, but we had the file so we could send it to them. So land on a dry eye blog post. Hey, would you like our free book, Rethinking Dry Eye Treatment? Put in your email today. So we're capturing email addresses as well. After they put in their email address, it will then go to a thank you pop-up, I should say, not a page, but a thank you pop-up that then says our number one recommended thing to do for dry eye, clean your eyelids. We recommend using a hypochlorous acid. Here's our main product. And so it's mm -hmm. a call to action right there, right after they enter their email address. And then of course the email sequence as well creates this perpetual machine as well. So with the email sequence, then afterwards we give them what they came for, ask them to reply to that email as well. We then tell them who we are and what to expect from us. And then we just drip out all those blog posts and that creates this perpetual machine that gets people back to your blog. And then the blog goes over to Amazon and then they buy on Amazon. Now, why did we do that instead of get them to buy on Shopify? We went all in on Amazon period. And you could do it on Shopify, but Shopify has a lower conversion rate. They usually have their information stored on Amazon, their credit card, their shipping address, and it's one click purchasing. So we wanted to remove as much friction as possible. And we just wanted to get the product in their hand, but then we'll try to get them to buy on our Shopify store eventually. Um, at the peak, our Shopify store was doing a million a year. And so it was mm -hmm. doing just really well, but we weren't focusing on the Shopify store. That was all spill off from Amazon. Similar to when you focus on your top two products, your other eight products will get the spill off. We focused on Amazon, which was 80% of our revenue, but 20% of our revenue came from spill off going over to Shopify. And so it's the same yeah. concept, the 80-20 concept principle. It's the same no matter where you look. Focus on what's working and that's all that matters. Focus on that and everything else will kind of take care of itself. So I went a little deeper in there, but then I want to also go into something real briefly is this didn't just work for our I love brand. This also worked for our agency. We do the exact same thing. We drive people. It's not as low cost. It's cost about a dollar to $2 to get a click for, for this area, but it's a higher ticket value. I have agency clients that are paying me thousands per month versus buying a $20 product. So we can spend yep. a little bit more. So we drive them to Amazon PPC blog posts and then they get on my email list because I offer them a free Amazon PPC course and then we drip content to them and I email quite a bit. And with that drip content, it keeps them engaged. Eventually when they're going to look for somebody for their, for an agency, they'll probably come to me first as a result of just being on my email list and seeing me on videos and reading my blog posts and everything. So it doesn't just work for physical products, but also it works for agencies as well, man. Travis, I know I'm smarter uh, just from this conversation already today. My my head is spinning with ideas. Like I'm anxious to like go start like implementing some of these things today. I know I've heard them in the past, but like the way you articulated them is like I can go do this. Um, and so I hope our listeners feel the same way. Now I do want to wrap things up here, Travis. You've shared a lot of content. Um, I love to leave the audience with three actionable takeaways from each episode. Here are three takeaways that I noted, Travis. Let me know if um, I'm missing anything. So I would say, number one, this goes back to the earlier conversation we had when you were exiting your brand, is I think getting very clear with who you are as a business owner and what it is that you bring to the world, right? Not only, like, what is your, you know, special secret sauce that you bring to the world? What is your mission that you're sent here to do? But also kind of relate that to your brand mission as well, right? Because I think you need to pair those up. It's not just about making as much money as you can, right? And if, if that is, then maybe do a little bit more self-reflection and try to dig into, you know, what, how can I create a brand that actually has a mission to better society? Um, because that's the type of brands that people do want to follow. It's also the type of brands that other people want to acquire. So, First and foremost, I think the actionable takeaways for everybody, do a little bit of self-introspection and identify your value uh, to the world. Um, number two is focusing on that 80-20 principle. Uh, I think that is a huge takeaway 
for our brand, we have over 1,300 SKUs. So it is very daunting to say, hey, go implement all of these blog strategies for all of our products, right? It's like, oh, I don't even know where to start. But if you just start scaling it back and be like, all right, where's what's my top selling product category? Let's just start there, right? And I think what you laid out so eloquently there, Travis, is even before you start driving all this external traffic and, and juicing up your PPC campaigns, your first thing that you talked about was like, hey, go make sure your content is is up to snuff on Amazon. Do you have good images? Like, have you invested in real lifestyle photos of your products? Do you have A-plus content? Do you have good copy on your listing? Because if you're just driving external traffic and even more traffic on Amazon to that listing, you're only, you know, kind of, you're not optimizing your results there and you're going to have to spend even more than you would if you just had an optimized listing. So once you take that, you know, I think the final takeaway is to implement either the PPC strategy that we talked about or this blog strategy for yourself. Um, with the blog, you're basically creating an ad, right? That is centered around a problem that your product is solving. Okay. You create a blog post about that problem. And then obviously your solution to that problem is your product that you're recommending and you invite people to go purchase that product on Amazon. So that's the way that that funnel set up. And then likewise with PPC, it's identifying those keywords that are driving most of your traffic and then lighting up those PPC campaigns as exact match, single keyword campaigns, and then doing the exact same thing on Google. So I think there's more than three actionable takeaways. There's probably like six, seven that I just listed there. Um, but each of those, I think, go back. There's a lot of things that you can implement in your business. Choose one, focus on it, and start making some take action and generate some results from there. Do you think I sum things up? All right, Travis, anything else you would add? I think I think you summed them up better than I could have summed them up, and I'm actually the one that said it. <laughs> Well, it was easy for me to just consume and take notes. Um, all right, Travis, as we wrap thing, things up here, got three final questions for you. What has been the most influential book that you've read and why? It's always hard to say this question because it depends on what part of the life you're in. But I have to go back to 2013 when I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. I still read that book every single year just because it was one of those books that made me find my entrepreneur self. And it was kind of one of those things where I was just like, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. I need to figure this out. And that book really pushed me forward. We actually ended up buying our first duplex right after I bought that book. So that's when we entered the entrepreneur circle. But Rich Dad, Poor Dad by far is probably the most influential book that I've had that I've ever read. Awesome. That is a good book. What is your favorite productivity tool or resource? You know, I am a huge fan of Google Workspace and that whole suite. I never used it until about six months to a year ago. It was about a year ago. And we implemented it into our agency. And it's shock, shocking how I never knew about this because it makes, whenever you start a business, you should jump right into Google Workspace because the chat feature, the spaces feature, it's like Slack, of course, Gmail, but it keeps your Gmail separate, which is really nice. But it's like Slack, chat, video, calendar, everything all in one place. And it's just incredibly helpful to keep it all together, but it's like your free Google tools on steroids. And so we love Google workspace. Yeah, I agree with you there. We, we use that in our own business and agree that it is a great productivity tool. All right. Last question here. Who is somebody that you admire the most or respect the most in the e-commerce space that other sellers should be paying attention to? It's, it's where we met. So Ryan Moran with capitalism.com. He's, become a good friend of mine. Um, but I initially just started following him with his podcast, capitalism.com. And then it kind of took off from there. And he is known as the entrepreneur psychologist or psychiatrist because he gets you out of your own head and you can experience that through his podcast. But I've also hired him as my coach and he really does just help you clear your mind. And so definitely Ryan Moran at capitalism. Awesome. And I, I can echo that as well. Travis, this has been an awesome conversation. Where can people go to learn more about you? I know you kind of have some freebies to give out here on the podcast, your free Amazon PPC course, your free audience building course as well. Tell everybody where they can follow you and, and get access to the amazing content that you share. 
Well, let me first say I appreciate you having me on because I always enjoy our conversations. I always love running into you at conferences as well. So hopefully we'll run into each other pretty soon. But um, ProfitablePineapple.com is our agency site. That's where you can get the free Amazon PPC Masterclass. And then if you go to ProfitablePineapple.com forward slash audience, that will get you the free lead generation course. We're actually going to probably put that on the main page. So if you just go to ProfitablePineapple.com, you can get all that. And then on Facebook, Amazon PPC Pros is our Facebook group. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me directly. You can go in there, find me, send me a direct message. Be happy to, to talk to you. Um, and then if you want to apply to work with us, it's at ProfitablePineapple.com. You can just fill out our agency application and it comes directly to me. And then we'll jump on a call. And if we're a good fit to work together, then we'll send an offer and then we'll kind of go from there. Awesome. Well, Travis, thanks so much for your time today. I look forward to running into you at another conference coming up. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Visit ecombreakthrough.com for more information. If you've enjoyed today's episode, the best way you can show your appreciation is by clicking the subscribe button and quickly leaving a review. See you again next time.